Hello and welcome to a Do The Franchise Valentine's Day special. It's me, Jake. And I'm single. <laughs> and uh, yeah, James is single. Um, putting that out there. Pimpmyjames.com. Um, I started trying to catch you out for a change. <laughs> <laughs> you did as well. Did you see how I stumbled over my words then? I was like... <laughs> oh, James, it's good to good to have you back. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, Jake. Bit bit blustery. Bit blustery. It, it is, isn't it? We've got Storm Kira uh, arrived, arrived, arriving, arrived. She's arrived, and she's kicking ass in uh, in the UK at the moment. Power lines are down, James. Sheep are being thrown into the air, um, and trains are running just as late as they usually are. And we're really regretting opening that park full of dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, we are, because some fat guys turn all the fences <laughs> off. Oh, God. So this is our first Valentine's Day uh, special, right? This is, yeah. this is historic. This is great. Uh, it's been just over a year since James and I started the podcast with the Harry Potter films. We won't go into them. Um, <laughs> obviously, if you do want to hear more about Harry Potter, feel free to listen to series one. It's it's been odd, isn't it? It's kind of strange to be full circle a year since we we launched. Yeah, I'm kind of glad we waited a year because I think it would have been a bit sort of ambitious of us to do a Valentine's Day special like week one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the first first episode. We're going to do a special. Um, I, I this is one of those ones where I've actually put probably a lot more thought into it than I did probably with the Christmas special. I just hocked that together in about ten minutes. <laughs> I hope no one noticed. But we really appreciated all the listens. We did, yeah, we did. And we've got a lot of good feedback about the format of the, of the Christmas special, so we're going to try and do more of these uh, theme specials. Uh, love is in the air, James. How are you feeling about that? Oh, there's also, there's something else in the air as well, James. <laughs> Sadly, uh, yeah. Uh, we, we obviously, sad stories all over the world about coronavirus. Um, yeah. There was one slight glimmer of, giddiness that happened when i realized that the uh the the next batch of people being flown back from china were going to be quarantined in a conference center in milton Keynes. Oh, yeah. milton Keynes. <laughs> <laughs> so they uh they they, oh, they get to see all the sights of superman 4 quest for peace yeah they can watch it as well it's shit <laughs> <laughs> can you can you imagine i mean on a, on a serious note like Going on a, a beautiful cruise across the Pacific or wherever they are, going across Japan and through Singapore, and being on this beautiful cruise liner, um, all the food and drink you could ever want and, and need, um, to be whisked away in hazmat suit people yeah. to Milton fucking Keynes. Hey, I, I imagine they've got the you know the best cheese butties that Milton Keynes can muster. Is that a thing? I don't know. I made it up. <laughs> Have you ever been to Milton Keynes? Uh, no, um, I, I'm aware I that it's mostly it. concrete. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the yeah, it is. It's very um, it's modern, like an American city, isn't it? It's built in blocks. That's what I remember <laughs> about say, it. You say modern. I mean, it's <sighs> it, it's modern in the sense that this is what the 1970s thought modern would be. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. And so they've got it all bang on. I mean, every everyone's just there's no cars in Milton Keynes, James. Everyone's going around on space hoppers. Oh. I'd love that idea. Yeah, it would make the world a better place. Shall we crack on with our Valentine's Day special? Yeah, yeah. So, um, do you want to tell on, them the, the, the basic premise? Yes, please do. Yeah. I need to know as well. So, I thought I was a hopeless romantic. I might even have been prepared to admit I was a hapless romantic. Uh, it turns out I'm a really sarcastic romantic. Who knew? Oh, I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've we've gone. I think we've gone with films because we've chosen three each. We did, and we we've gone with films that uh, kind of express our feelings on the day. Yeah, I think and, I think that's about right. Uh, and obviously, I, I'm coming from the perspective of you know eternal singledom, and. <laughs> And you're coming from the perspective of a happily married man, so yeah, well, yeah. But you know, everyone has their niche. I mean, me and Natalie don't really celebrate it, but that's not a kick down to people that are single that would like to have celebrated it. 
I would be more happy to go out with you on Valentine's Day and have a few beers, maybe go and have a, get a Wagamama's. I'd rather do that than, than spend a ridiculous amount of money on tat um, to tell a woman who I declared my undying love for when I married her that I still love her. I just find it all a little bit odd. Yeah, I mean, maybe you could just show her a picture of your wedding and say what he said. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, just send her a card <laughs> or, or, or yeah, of the wedding. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's one of those things. I'm not putting it down. People no. do it. Um, it's a very American cultural sort of thing. It, it, it's Again, it's like everything in the 21st century. It seems to have been done to the to the max. Like, it's not just something that a few people you know do. Everyone's doing it. You know, like 10 years ago, veganism was kind of a thing that one of your mates did. Yeah. But now Tesco are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like... This is where we're at. This is the 21st century. Everything that we had that was once niche has now been capitalised upon by by corporations, and and we're in that with Valentine's Day. And I feel that yeah, if you're gonna have a, a, a I'm not gonna say it. If you're gonna have a Valentine's Day, watch these films, uh, listen to our podcast, and don't let me uh, grind you down. <laughs> and I thought I was the sarcastic, miserable one. <laughs> And <laughs> you know how I feel about these these days. <laughs> We're not doing a Mother's Day special. Like, fuck <laughs> I can't even think of what films we'd choose for that. But Mamma Mia, James. <laughs> that's it, isn't it? It would just be Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Yeah, it would. It's um, technically a franchise. It is. It don't tell my mum. Shall we go with number three? So James and I have picked three films. Um Three movies to watch. This is three each. Yeah. Um, do you want to fill it in, James? Absolutely. Well, I've been terrorising Jake for the past week by telling him all the films that I might choose that aren't remotely romantic. Uh, <laughs> I think initially he was quite worried that I would just derail the uh, the Valentine's Day special by just choosing random films. And you said platoon, James. I, I did. Uh, you know, I wasn't sure if you were joking. I, I think he was worried I was going to bring in like platoon, maybe predator. I mean, these are all films I have watched on a Valentine's Day at some point. But I decided to temper myself, Jake. I've actually gone with yep. some romantic films, oh, sort nice. of. Um, my my pick number three is Chasing Amy. Okay. I don't think I've ever seen Chasing Amy. Ah, brilliant. That works. You can tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. So, um, why Chasing Amy? Chasing Amy, it's uh, a really non traditional uh, look at love and friendship. So, it's written by Kevin Smith. Yeah. Who has, in recent times, said the way it deals with homosexuality is a bit problematic because it was written from the perspective of a straight guy who, yeah. you know, didn't, who was just kind of looking to be a bit uh, overly dramatic with it. But basically, yeah. uh, you have a, a main character played by Ben Affleck, and he falls for a lesbian character. And the story is basically around them trying to resolve this, whether they can be just friends, because that's initially what yeah. they start off as, and things progress, and they, they do fall for one another. And it's all uh, brought to head by Ben Affleck's best mate in the film, who uh, basically doesn't doesn't get this whole thing. They're comic book writers. He just wants to get on <laughs> and do the comic yeah. book thing. Uh, the comics they write are based on Jay and Silent Bob. And <laughs> so... It, it's it all it brings in all the whole mole rats kind of clerks yeah the Kevin character. Smith universe yeah and it it brings all that together and um, it all then finally falls apart when Ben Affleck finds out that ironically he's not the first man she's been with and that that sort of derails it for him because mm. he he thought he was her first and he's not. Uh, yeah. And uh, he then they they have a big falling out. He then realizes he's been a bit immature, to say the least. Yeah. Tries to get back together with her uh, because he's he's feeling inferior, Jake. He, he doesn't feel like he's had as many experiences. So the way he comes up with to try and bring them on a level is he offers to have a threesome with her and his best mate who doesn't like her at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's a horrible ending. 
so that then causes them all to fall out and the oh, yeah. and the, and the final moments of the film um they they go to another comic book convention and Hang on, these are two straight men yeah two straight men and a lesbian lady so that's a little bit like that's like saying right she's vegetarian and he's vegan but don't worry about it we're gonna go to Red's True Barbecue. Yeah, and they'll be fine. They can have sides. Yeah, they. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> it's such a, a really odd little love story that happens. Yeah. There, there is a sort of an indication at the end that maybe the uh, Ben Affleck and and the girl can make up. Okay, as friends. As friends, but uh, not as lovers. He's he's definitely lost touch with his comic book writing friend at the end. Oh, okay. But so yeah, that that's the basic premise, and it, it's it, it's written with all of Kevin Smith's usual sort of wit and humor. Yeah, he is uh, he is a good writer. Um, I love his writing. It, it's great. a lot of it's based on like his personal experience, like a lot of them growing up in New Jersey. Uh, yeah. It's it's based on things he's seen, and the there's lots of interconnected uh, things like the uh, initial um, sort of meeting of mm-hmm. the two main characters, Ben Affleck and the girl. Uh, they they sort of bond over a, a shared uh, history at a school they both went to, or they both went to schools nearby a, a certain area, and they are aware of the uh, story that happens in Clerks. Okay, so yeah, they, yeah. They talk about that, which so it's it, like intertextuality within the story. Yeah. So um, it was apparently uh, Quentin Tarantino's favorite film of '97. That's mad. And it's Kevin Smith's favorite film he's made apparently even though he admits that the way he dealt with homosexuality like I say was problematic in that uh he probably didn't represent it in a very inclusive kind of way he just stuck yeah, to a lot of stereotypes yeah, it was, yeah. yeah so he, he said he probably would have done it differently now i think but obviously it still as a story holds together pretty well yeah, and that's the same when you read into any any character in history in, in stories, and you go, "Oh, there's a there's a distinct possibility that that character might have had an intimate relationship with another woman or another man," and and people go, "Yeah, but he didn't talk about that in those days." You're like, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. No, the- like, there are those stories. We just chose to bury them when we all went very insular about a hundred years ago. Yeah, it it's a, it is a romantic comedy at heart, nice. but it's. It's got all this this level of sort of dark undertones. I think it's really um, interesting that you've gone that route because I I too went down. I I did a lot of research into a lot of films. I also did a census with a lot of people that we work with and know. Yeah. To get their their top pick, romantic comedy or romantic film that they would choose to watch on Valentine's Day, uh, and they were all interesting. There's loads of different ones. Yeah. And I kind of it kept happening that they kept giving me more of them, and I kept going, oh yeah, that one. And and it gets to a point where I don't know about you, but I got to a point where I, I started to forget about how many how many movies there are that are held in such high esteem in that genre. Oh yeah, um, so I much. will I will say though that the one I chose for number three is an again a little bit like you. It's it's not particularly romantic in its approach, but it is a, a rom com in its own right. Yeah, and it is just a brilliant film. Um, I went with High Fidelity. Nice. That that's actually made it to my. We'll, we're going to be doing an honourable mentions section later. High Fidelity yeah. is in my honourable mentions. I love that film. It was a really good book by Nick Hornby. It was directed by Stephen Frears. Came out nineteen years ago, so in the year two thousand. Um, and it is just one of those films that I've always loved. And I think Jenny at work actually said to me, "Oh yeah, High Fidelity is a good one." And I was like, "Yeah, it is." And I had yeah. that point. I hadn't even put it on my list. I hadn't even thought about it. And I've been back and watched it since. Yeah. And for those who don't know about this film, it's a it's basically about a record store owner who is recounting his top five breakups as if he's a music producer. Um, and he includes the one that's currently in progress, which is how the film starts, with him breaking up with a woman that he loves. And it's about him reconciling his own ego and his own personality and his own personal problems with that of the people that he's been trying to date. And... It opens up that question as to whether or not the issue is is the people that he's dated have been horrible to him, or whether he is just a, a narcissistic person who cannot, you know, ever really truly love anybody else other than himself. Um, I think that's a fair thing to say, isn't it, James? I think that's yeah. a fair assessment of the film. Yeah, I, it's it's a it's such a good film. I I think it's I think it's the film that introduced me to Jack Black. Yeah, probably me too. 
Um, Jack Black is the uh, store assistant, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it's great, and there's there's so many sort of pop culture references in it. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. it's it's brilliant. That 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 scene where all of a sudden Bruce Springsteen turns up in his bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I like the bit where it's just at the beginning you just see it from the back of John Cusack's head and listening to the Rolling Stones um, and I remember like I think when I was probably about 15 I actually had this film on DVD and then I went out and tried to get the album to get all the songs that were in this film because it has so many hits yeah. um, weaved within the story and it's almost as if it's kind of told uh, it's told through the music um, so I was looking at the trivia list um the CD that Rob pops in um, at the beginning of the film has the tracks listed on it. Um, Baby, I Love Your Way. Yeah. Um, Earth Kit Times Two, Ghostbusters, Beat It, Baby Got Back, 9-11, sorry, 911 is a joke. Not 911 is a joke. We'll just we'll annotate that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, weird when you see 911 now in the in the post 911 world. You yeah. read it as 911. Um, I will survive. Um, but. My heart will go on. You can't have it, and the time is now. And obviously, the river as well by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, it's it is just an incredible soundtrack. And uh, "Baby, I Love the Way" I think has my favourite line in the script attached to it, where they're yeah. all in the club listening to the lady singing it, and uh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's uh, Jack Black says, "I really used to hate this song." But, <laughs> yeah, but now I kind of like it. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, for anyone that hasn't gone to see this film, it is. It's my number three. I wouldn't say it's my number one of of the romantics, but it's definitely up there because it encapsulates that thing about um, how passion drives you in life and how you feel like the things that happen to you that make you feel sorry for yourself are the things that hold you back, but then actually they end up forming you know, your own direction and you, and, and they are the makings of you. Yeah. Um, and I think in the film, Rob recounts one of the, the times um, where he is dumped at school by a girl that he only went within a relationship for six hours. <laughs> and it was the one that really broke his heart. Yeah. And it's just such a wonderful film because it really, it kind of taps into that human element of going, yeah, yeah, those are the things you remember because you still remember how gutted you were when you saw that girl in year 11 kissing another guy, <laughs> even though you weren't really dating, you didn't have any reliability, you weren't you weren't in a in a bond, there was no house or flat, you didn't live together, yeah. you were just friends, you were just a girl that you went to school with. <laughs> but those are the things that stay with you, and then it's true, they really do, they, they stick with you for, for a long time. Um, so I thought that was really fun. Um, I'm trying to find any other facts that I've got for this. Uh, I was going to give the review, uh, which is 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb. So nice. It's a high, ro- it's a high roller. Yeah. Uh, as, as it should be. Definitely. And it does say that if you like almost famous School of Rock, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, then you cannot not like this film, which I think is fair. Yeah. I think that's it's true. It's up there. Yeah. And it's one of those, it's one of those films that, uh, again, I, I would say, because my best friend loaned me the book, read the book. Um, because it also is very very good. It, it's a different it's a different vibe because the book is actually set in London. Yeah. Um, whereas the movie's set in Chicago. But both you know the book itself is really good. It's incredible to read, and and the film is just as good uh, with its American adaptation of the of the British story, and it does it quite well. Um, what was your number two, James? Right, my number two. I think we we've actually ironically picked fairly similar films in terms of like themes, and because my number two is Garden State. Ah, oh, now you're talking. Yeah. So, uh, I love that film. It's yeah, it's Zach Braff from Scrubs fame, and it was his yeah, first yeah, yeah. Um, film he directed and wrote. Yes. So it's his directorial I... debut, and he wrote the screenplay, and he did it prior, or he wrote it rather prior to finding fame with Scrubs. Oh, oh he. So he wrote it before Scrubs. He wasn't. Yeah. He didn't come out before Scrubs. It did didn't. It? No. So it was. Okay. It was written before Scrubs, uh, but uh, he didn't. Uh, and the the script that he gave people actually contained all of the songs he intended to use. And at yeah, another, points, another great soundtrack. A great it's soundtrack. Just a fantastic soundtrack. So that uh, and he planned it all out, song to song, a bit like uh, James Gunn did with Guardians of the Galaxy. 
Like yeah. the the scenes were planned around the songs. Very yeah, similar. You can really tell that because they really fit the the moments in the film that they are that they are in. Is it the Shins that that's in uh, the in Garden State? I think it's yeah. the Shins. It's, it's a couple of really wonderful songs by the Shins that pop up. It, and I always remember going out and buying that album after watching that film. So it's it almost like a, like a music video. Mm. Uh, but it's it's got a, a really great sort of narrative plot to it. It starts like every good rom-com should at a funeral. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. And I, I, my notes when I was watching it again, I put there's three main protagonists. JD from Scrubs, Thor's on-again, off-again girlfriend... And a drug-dispensing Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> Bilbo Baggins in it? Yeah, yeah. So he's, oh, he's the yeah, dad. he's the dad, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, of course he is. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. the basic storyline... We're talking about Ian Holm, everybody. Yeah. We're talking about Ian Holm. <laughs> Who I'll be referring to as Bilbo Baggins for the rest of this. <laughs> so bad, isn't it? Go so on. Uh, Bilbo has basically been keeping his son heavily medicated throughout his life. Because yeah. they're unsure whether he can deal with the emotions that he's got coursing through his body. Yeah. Because uh, there's a, a theory that he has uh, made his mother wheelchair bound through losing mm. his rag, basically. So, And they don't want him to have to deal with that upset later in life. So they just keep him on heavy doses of medication that uh, he then weans himself off of or just before he travels back to his mum's funeral mm, uh, yeah. and uh, through the course of being home he meets a bunch of old friends who uh, yell things like Serpico at him because he's moved to LA to be an actor so they, yeah. they start comparing him to Al Pacino and stuff like that and he's he's basically only only played one character who is a guy with uh, a, a, a mental disorder and uh, he uh, he meets a girl at the hospital. Mm, who, she has a dog. Yeah, she has a, a an assistance dog. Who I remember this? <laughs> who starts humping him? Yeah, actually, yeah, I do remember this. It's been a long time since I've seen this film. This came out about the same time, about two thousand and three, yeah. four, something like that. Yeah, so it was early two thousands. It was, uh, yeah. and it, it's it's very of its time because it's very it's it's such a like a late 90s early 2000s indie kind of film yeah uh, I love it. it it's it is brilliant and the uh, apparently uh, Zach Braff really didn't want the romance to be really intense it he, he wrote it to be inferred and there, there's no heavy sort of big romantic scene in the film um, the the uh, the actual main story, the main plot of the film is one of his mates is a grave robber <laughs> who's stolen something off yeah. uh, Zach's character's mum's grave. Uh, yeah. So they, they go on these adventures to uh, do a bunch of trade-ups and swaps with other people in the town to eventually get back the necklace that this guy had taken off his mum's grave. And it's through these adventures that Zach gets to know this girl because she just comes along for the ride yeah. and uh, he, he gets to go to her house and see her pet cemetery uh, it's, yeah, it's one of the it's one of the few I, I, I'm not being nasty but a few Natalie, Port, Natalie Portman sort of um, like I find her a little bit hit and miss but I really liked her in this I remember thinking that it was a really nice performance yeah it, it's it's pitch perfect apparently he he wrote the part with her in mind but never thought he'd yeah. get her to star in the film I mean, she's only been in Star Wars. Yeah, only that little <laughs> that little franchise. Uh, Who's ever watched that anyway? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, so he he wrote it with her in mind. So yeah, it's it's a it's a really good film. It's a it's a feel good film with a lot of melancholy in it, which it it's a really hard line to tread. I think you can yeah. either be quite melancholic yeah. or you can be a bit too saccharine. And this just yeah, and you have to find the balance. This just finds the balance, and he doesn't make up with his dad, but he says, "Can we just get to a point where we're okay?" Because yeah. um, you know he 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 wants you know he wants his dad to accept that it wasn't his fault. His mum was in the wheelchair, and he wants to be okay with that. And um, he decides that he's maybe not yet in touch with his own feelings enough to carry on a relationship. So he fly. He's going to fly back to L.A. Yeah, so it's just like a um, a summer romance. Yeah, 
and then he, cha- kind of he changes his mind. And... He changes his mind and comes back. Spoilers. Okay, I, 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 well, yeah, it is spoilers. Yeah. I can't remember now. Uh, yeah. But yeah, really good film. Zach... What is it with you in New Jersey, by the way? I know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but he, I've just realised Kevin Smith in Jason Amy, and yeah. now we've got Zach Braff doing um, bloody Garden State. I'm just trying to think of what your next one is. Your next one's not going to be something like uh, what's the one with Ben Affleck that he did? Uh, Jersey Girl. Jersey Girl. It, it's in, in Jersey Girl. It's, isn't in, it? it's in my honourable mentions. <laughs> it's not number one, I hope. No, no, it's not. No, you, you haven't caught me out just yet. Um, <laughs> okay, we're going to get two? this moving. We're going to get this moving. Yeah. Number two. What is my number? I, I can't fucking remember, James. No, my number two is. Wait for it. Six days, seven nights. Oh, I've not seen this. So this came out in 1998. Uh, I've read it on IMDb. It got 5.8 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes absolutely slammed this film with a 36% um, approval rating. That, that's that's the film you want to watch to get you in a romantic mood. Hear me out. Okay. It's it's a really good film. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people on the internet disagreeing with you, Jake. <laughs> yeah, they are. They can get fucked. No, um, so, right, th- this film is, uh, it- it's, it's, it's Anne Hesch and, um, and Harrison Ford with, um, in the background, uh, uh, Ross from Friends, uh, David Schwimmer. Okay. Um, it's it's brilliant, James. It's brilliant, and it's the only film you'll ever really see Harrison Ford doing a really good comedy performance, possibly other than Anchorman Two. But I don't really like that film. Yeah. Um, this film is about a a woman who's a journalist in New York, and her dopey husband, played by um, played by David Schwimmer, and David Schwimmer has got a big plan to propose to Anne Hesch, and he decides to whisk her away to uh, the island of Makatea. She's just outside of Tahiti. I googled it. Oh, good, good, good it's in fact. Like the Pacific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they go on this beautiful holiday for six days, seven nights stay, where he's going to propose to her and all this. Um, and when they get there, they're introduced to their uh, their resident pilot, who's like the only guy on the island that can fly a plane, and he flies them to their island uh, so they can have their little vacation. And then she gets a phone call saying that she has to go back to Tahiti to do some work, and then they're going to fly her back out to the island of Makatea. When she's done the work, so the Anne Hesh character gets she gets flown out. She has to go. She has to go to Harrison Ford for her to help, and he goes, "Yeah, I'll fly you out for like five hundred dollars, whatever it is." And he's pretty drunk at the time, uh, as his character is quite a lot in this movie. <laughs> he's, he's he's drunk quite a lot in this film. It's really fun. Um, and then yeah, and then they fly out. Um, they fly out to Tahiti, but they don't make it, James, oh. because weather. Like Storm Kira blowing up above my house right now. Oh, very uh, on brand. Yeah, and it knocks the plane off course and the plane lands on a desert island and they get trapped together on a desert island. And it's about how they reconcile getting off the desert island, survival on the desert island, uh, and a romance between the two characters sort of flourishes. It's interesting. Yeah. It's, but it's really funny. Yeah. It's a really funny film. I'll have to watch um, it this Valentine's Day now. Please do, and everybody like it's not a it's not a record breaker. It is by no means an Academy Award winner. Um, it is just good rubbish. It's good <laughs> trash. Like it's a good rom. It's a good romp. It's a good film. It's good and silly. Uh, and I guarantee you will laugh. Like like that's one of those films. I go into comedy films, even rom coms, with the attitude that if I don't laugh at least five times, it cannot have the word comedy in its title. It can't have it. Yeah. No, I, you know what I mean by that. I I do. I think that that's a fair assessment because you do need you you need that sort you of darker that, yeah. side to yeah. it all just to make it not too sickly sweet. Yeah, I agree. And this is one of those films as well that's not too. It's 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 one of those films you could watch with the whole family, and you can watch it with your mum, your nan. It doesn't matter who you watched it with. Like you'd all you'd all have a common laugh about the same thing. Similar to very, you know, when you watch very endearing sort of British comedy now, like uh, we watch, we were talking about Monty Python since Terry Jones passed away, and we talk about uh, Only Fools and Horses and, and and Porridge and things like that. Like they have a universal comedy element that runs through them that all the family can find that funny. Like, and every different class system can find that funny. It's not really based on anything. Uh, that's what I like about good comedy anyway. I think it's really good. Um, the only thing I found really funny when I was looking at facts about this movie, uh, this movie was directed by Ivan Reitman, 
um, who was the director of Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he was director of Twins, uh, Junior, among other films. Interesting. Um, brilliant director. Uh, and obviously works really well with comedy because he did Ghostbusters. What more do you need to know? Um, Anne Hesch uh, was in the movie. Uh, obviously, she was acting alongside Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford's at least 30 years older than her, which is, you know, A, it's a bit strange. But also, Anne Hesch is actually gay. She's a lesbian. So... Um, the, once you know that, it's yeah. hard to figure out where they got the the you know the the dispenser of disbelief for this story. But obviously she's an actor, so you know you play that role. It doesn't matter, does it? But um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Apparently she was introduced to the public uh, at large as Ellen DeGeneres' girlfriend. Oh, um, okay. And Ivan Reitman said we hired a relatively unknown female actor to be the lead. Uh, but now she's one of the most famous women in the world. I <laughs> 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 thought it was really good. Uh, yeah, honestly, I've got it on DVD. Uh, I can I can whip it out. You've got to you've got to watch it. That sounds it's, it's that so does sound good. good. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. I'm just looking at this note here. This is strange again. Do you know we're talking about 9/11 related shit? Yeah, like, this is weird. This um, after 9/11, the USA networks edited the dialogue. Um, poorly, so that Anne Hesch originally says in the movie, "I've flown twice with you, and you've crashed half the time." And in this version now, she says, "I've flown with you twice. You've flown half the time," <laughs> which doesn't really work, does it? No. Doesn't even make any sense. That's that's odd. I've, it's really odd, isn't it? So I've got the DVD, so I'm going to check that. So I'm guessing my DVD will probably say the actual type, the actual line. But yeah, apparently if you watch it on American television networks now, it's post 9-11, she says, I've flown with you twice, you've flown half the time. <laughs> Weird. Bizarre. Weird. <laughs> yeah, that was my second pick. Six days, seven nights. James, go with your... I want to know. I'm going to do a drum roll here. I need to know your number one. What's your number one, James? My number one. Valentine's on. Day film. Get in then. When Harry Met Sally. Oh, what? I did not expect that. Yeah. Oh, I could have I could have picked any number of Meg Ryan vehicles from the 80s 90s. It could have yeah, it yeah, could yeah. have been Sleepless in Seattle. It could have been Oh, you've got you've got mail. Oh, you've She's got in mail. That, right? Yeah, they're basically all the same film. You know what? We were talking about this the other week when we were talking about romantic films. They are. Aren't they all basically the same premise with Meg Ryan in it? Very very similar, but I chose this one. Is it Billy Crystal, this one? I chose this one because of Billy Crystal. Yeah, it is a good film. I haven't seen it for about a decade now, or more. There is, oh, I mean, if, if no one, you know, if anyone out there hasn't seen it, I, I, it's fantastic. Basically, a bitterly sarcastic man is worn down <laughs> over time by a sweetly saccharine lady who is equally worn down by him and they sort of meet somewhere in the middle. Yeah, uh, and and that that's basically what happens. Um, and it it Billy Crystal's character's point is guys and girls can't be friends because sex always gets in the way, and she doesn't yeah. believe that. And <laughs> uh, it's kind of a a sweeter, more gentle version of Chasing Amy in that sense, where Chasing Amy yeah. the characters just don't really understand uh, the. the the various sort of gradations of love and friendship and and it's mm-hmm. that that messes things up uh these just happen to be two actors that play off each other so well and there's so many famous scenes there's the the faking the orgasm scene in the yeah. diner and uh after that a woman says i'll have what she's having yeah and, yeah yeah i remember yeah and that <laughs> that was a billy crystal addition the screenwriter credits Billy Crystal no. for that. Oh man, that's amazing! So, I never knew that. So yeah, so um, and there's a, a a scene where they're sort of walking through a museum together, and they're yeah. putting on silly voices. Uh, and Billy Crystal ad libs again, but I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie. And that was completely off script. Meg Ryan laughed at it genuinely and looked to her right where the director silently prompted her to go with it. So yeah. it was like a proper genuine... Like blunder. Yeah, but it was such a happy thing. The um, 
apparently the segments of married couples because it cuts yeah. between these uh, stories of married couples. They're all real stories that the director collected and the actors just uh, voice oh, them. Wow. Um, so that there's there's so many uh, things. Apparently Tom Hanks turned down the role of Harry. Uh. Now Tom Hanks is in Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah, which is kind of a similar... Well, a Meg Ryan film. Yeah, um, apparently Michael Keaton was also considered. Keaton would have been good. Yeah, Keaton would have been good. I I, I still think Keaton's Billy Crystal great. is is perfect for yeah, the role. He, there is just something he has that you can't quite put your finger on. It's the same when he does... like Jerry, He's in. Uh, he's the voice of Mike uh, Wazowski, isn't he, in uh, yeah. Monsters, Inc.? And you just can't imagine that character without Billy Crystal. Like, it doesn't... You couldn't imagine any other person doing that kind of comedy and that kind of. Yeah. It's how quickly he can articulate lines and and jibes and 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 quirks. Like they're just so funny. Yeah. He's just so effortlessly funny with his voice. And that's what I think stops this film being yeah. just a sickly sweet cute film, which yeah. Sleepless in Seattle is. But mm-hmm. this isn't because of how uh, ornate the dialogue is. It's really, yeah. really quick, really, really fast um, for, from both of them. Both actors are just really good at, at bouncing off one another uh, it so well. And yeah. um, you, you obviously know where it's leading up to, but mm-hmm. it's the it's the journey, it's the time span as well. Uh, Carrie Fisher's great in it. You know, yeah, yeah, she plays Marie in it. Yeah, so you've got Carrie Fisher in it. You've got s- such a good, talented cast. But such a yeah. small cast, really, because it's really just four people yeah. with some small ancillary folks <clears throat> dotted around. But it's really it could be a stage play. Yeah, it would. I probably would work, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, it, it, I was just looking at Rob Reiner's. Like Rob Reiner's done some fantastic films as well as obviously Harry Met Sally, uh, Stand by Me, This Is Spinal Tap. Yeah, um, a few Good Men, Bucket List. I really liked with uh, Morgan Freeman. That was a really cool yeah. film. That's crazy, uh, and the, yeah. he's he's just got a really keen sense for storytelling that isn't mm. it. It isn't fast paced, but it's never dull. And I it, yeah. again, we a, a bit like the sort of the, the the melancholy soppy thing that Garden State does. This being yeah. a little bit slower, but it's never dull. It's never you're never bored watching it because of like yeah. the time jumps and things like that the apparently the uh after harry and sally have sex and they they call their friends their mutual friends <laughs> so there's that scene where it cuts between them all talking to one another on yeah. the phone apparently that took something like 60 takes to get right that's mad so it's that attention to detail that they wanted though so yeah, to get it right, yeah. not just go with it. Yeah, um, that's mad. That's your number that's one. That's my number one, Jake. I'm I'm keen to hear what your number one is. Yeah, because I've not told James this yet. Um, I've just threw a lot of films around. This comes with a lot of thought, by the way. I had a lot of thought about what my number one favorite romantic comedy film. It better be Predator. All time. <laughs> it's Predator Two. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Um, <laughs> I, I genuinely love this film. I love the director. I love the actors that are in it. I love the way it's made. I love it more now than I did when I first watched it. And I watched it again with Natalie recently. Okay. Um, and I would say, because I wanted to watch it before I did this this podcast. Um, it's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Good choice. Good and choice. Anyone that hasn't seen this film, it may have passed you by. It came out in 2004, um, directed by Michel Gondry. Um, it is just such a beautiful um, sort of. A, it's like a window into the world of heartbreak. <laughs> yeah, it's the best way I can put it. So it, it's about a man who meets a girl, uh, and they meet on a very unexpected day out um, to Montauk Beach, uh, just outside of uh, I think it's New, not New Jersey, Long Island. Not it's only up the road. <laughs> um, <laughs> so James and I are only up the road, um, and and they yeah, and then they meet, and then the film starts with them breaking up, and you're like, oh, this is interesting, but you find out quickly that it isn't as simple as it sounds, and a lot of time has passed, but in fact, the two people that fell in love at the train station 
Um, I've had a relationship before, and both, well, originally one has wiped the other from their memory. And when this happens, you have to send a little card to everybody that they know, mutual friends and that, um, to tell the mutual friends that you have been erased. <laughs> so <laughs> don't talk about it. So it's basically the equivalent of me and James have to break up this podcast. Yeah. There can be no mention of do the franchise, but me and James have to send a message to all of our listeners that they go, Oh, that guy you do that podcast with is really cool. I like his... What? Yeah, can't happen. <laughs> and they have to tell you that James has been erased, so I don't know that he exists. Um, and then obviously when um, the, the the character Charlie... Um, uh, is it Charlie? I'm trying to remember now. Jim Carrey's character uh, finds out that um, she's, he's been erased by his girlfriend. He then goes to the same clinic to erase his mind of his girlfriend, uh, played by Kate Winslet. And halfway through the erasing regrets the decision and tries to hide his girlfriend's memory within different parts of his brain. Yeah. And it is a beautifully made film. I think that is fair to say, James, isn't it? I I think so. In terms of like basic plot points and things like that, it's, it's an amazingly well executed film that, uh, Adam Sandler's 51st dates wishes it was. Yeah, that's 100%. And you can tell, actually, a lot of people have tried to replicate the success of this film yeah. and how, how beautiful it is. Um, it's kind of a mix between... I'm trying to think of what it is. It's a little bit like a any Jim Carrey movie um, mixed with a romantic, um, melancholy um, comedy element um, with the special effects budget of Inception. Yeah. <laughs> No, that, that's there are about things right. that happen in it where Jim Carrey is talking to his girlfriend and things are literally breaking apart behind them as the world or the memory that they're in is 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 falling apart. It's but I love it. Yeah. Um and I think IMDB have given it eight point three. I think that should have been higher, but that's just me. I think it is um probably what it's probably my favourite comedy, romantic comedy film. It's just so good and it really does hit the heartstrings at the end as well. Um, and I always think I like to watch a film like this where I can watch it, I can be intrigued, I can laugh, I can cry, and I can be left with a little warm feeling inside, which is always nice on a uh, cold um, Valentine's Day, I think. Don't you? Definitely. That, so, yeah. that was a good good selection. Yeah, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a genuine fear that we were going to choose the same film. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, 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 had, I had something reserved just in case. So did I. <laughs> um, do you want to go through some of your honourable mentions and I'll go through some of mine afterwards? Yeah, sure. So, uh, some like it hot. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, and uh, I think I just like it because one of the male characters at the end has been dressing in drag to distract yeah. somebody who's very, very rich. And it's been a long... I haven't seen that film for years. And I think it's the last line uh, where he gets asked, why Why would you... Because he, he ends up saying he's going to marry the guy. And obviously, mm. the time it was made, that was just a ridiculous concept anyway. So that's where part of the humour comes from. Yeah, and he yeah. says, why, why would you marry the guy? And Jack Lemmon turns to him and says, Security. <laughs> 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 I just love that uh, as a, a that that film always makes me giggle. Um, I've also got a film. I don't know whether you've seen it, Wonder Boys. No, I haven't. Uh, it's uh, a great cast. Uh, I'll, I'll just read the uh, the cast to you because if I told you that a film existed with these people in it, you might not believe me. Hmm. So it is Michael Douglas. Okay, oh. fairly you know pedestrian. Toby Maguire, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. Okay, Katie Holmes, yeah. and Rip Torn. <laughs> Nearly all of those people have been in a comic book movie. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's about a guy who's going through a divorce. So it's probably not <laughs> the most romantic film. Yeah, uh, but he's he's an author who's not written a new book in seven years, and his um, outrageous uh, publisher, played by Robert Downey Jr., comes to visit Mm -hmm. uh, to see how the new book's getting along. And all sorts of craziness ensues. His two students, played by Tobey Maguire and Katie Holmes, get into a bit of trouble. There's uh, a scene where they're having to transport a dead dog and hide the dead dog. 
it's it's really bizarre. It's uh, but it's great, and it's uh, it's about this guy who obviously has divorced his wife, but he's found that he he's really attracted to the dean of the school, who happens to be married to somebody else. Okay, so it's complicated. Yeah, it's a complicated one, uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's a fun one. Uh, It it got seven point three. On IMDb, oh, that's pretty good. Which is good. Okay. Um, and uh, the user reviews give it ten out of ten. So I always like to be educated when I haven't watched a film. It's good. Yeah. I will have to go and watch that. Uh, I was going to mention a film that came out a few years ago, um, which was very poignant to me last year. But very, uh, it's a very good film in its own right, and I think it doesn't get the praise it probably deserves. So I, I really like this movie. Um, it was about time. It's called okay. Uh, about time, and it was directed by um, Richard Curtis, who did uh, obviously Notting Hill and uh, Four Weddings. Yeah. Um, but it's about a guy who gets to like his twenty-first birthday or something like this, and uh, his dad is Bill Nye. So, what more do you want? Yeah. And Bill Nye, the dad, tells um, the guy played by Donald Gleason that you're. When you're one of uh, the men in our family and you're my son and, and all the men in my family, the uncles, the grandfather and the dad and him, they, they can all time travel, but they can only time travel um, backwards and in their own light, in their own timeline, only to certain points. Um, and he starts using this to his advantage to get a girl. So he will make a fool of himself a thousand times, but keep going back and changing his approach okay. in hope that eventually she'll fancy him. Um, and he does get the girl and it kind of goes all right for a while. And, you know, he makes one mistake one night so he can go back and change the mistake and come back again. And it's fine. It just keeps rewriting itself uh, until he realizes that once you have a child, if you go back and try and change anything before the child was born, um, you may end up with a different child <laughs> <laughs> because the universe has changed and the, the, there might be a different sperm, a different egg. Yeah. So, so this is really—it's a really funny moment in the film where Bill Nye tells him that this is the case, um, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's having to deal with situations where before you had the whole of your life to go and mess with time, but now because of your babies being born, you can only go back a certain amount of time. I won't ruin the ending no. because it's—it's really—it's a—it's a proper heartstrings yeah. ending, James. It's—it's it's really good. But I I love this film. I thought it was really really poignant and funny as well. It just it really much encapsulates that um, upper middle class British humour that uh, that is so famous for Richard Curtis. You know, like with Notting Hill and and Love Actually. But it is really good. I th- I thought it was definitely deserving of an honourable mention. Perfect. Um, obviously, we've got uh, Four Weddings on there. Bridget Jones's Diary will be on there. Yeah. Um, I had Pretty Woman. Um, Ten Things I Hate About You. Yeah. Uh, Amelie was on there. Good choices. Uh, uh, when Harry met, uh, when Harry met Sally was on my honourable mentions as well, which is nice. Oh, uh, Pretty in Pink was on there. Someone gave me. Okay. Uh, somebody went with Fatal Attraction. Who the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> maybe they, maybe they uh, got the wrong end of the stick, like I usually do. Yeah. Uh, Groundhog Day. Uh, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. Uh, Gone with the Wind. They're all on there. Oh, brilliant! There's some really good ones. There's some really good honourable mentions if you want to yeah. go back and have a listen to this podcast again for inspiration what about you James I, you I had uh, 500 Days of Summer nice yep. which is uh, Mark Webb who then went on to direct some terrible Spider-Man films but that film is actually very oh, good oh is that that guy yeah that's that guy oh, <laughs> but uh, I know that. Joseph Gordon-Levitt and uh, Zoe Deschanel mm. very good chemistry very good yeah. film um, I have been uh, accused of getting my sister into he's just not that into you in the past uh, so I guess that should go on the list uh, yeah. and a uh, bit of an oddball one to end it all off with Life Aquatic with Steven Zissou you see I love that film yeah but I don't know if that's a romantic comedy well, it's, oh, is he? It, he's he's trying to to get back with his wife isn't he he's trying to put his life yeah, back together yeah I guess he is so yeah. that, that, that was the angle I was going from plus you know anything with Jeff Goldblum in yeah, yeah you can well, you can watch it at any <laughs> point can't you it's Jeff Goldblum 
It's Jeff Bleeding Goldblum. <laughs> I feel like I do want to do a. Um, well, we could do. We're going to do some director specials. I think Wes Anderson would be a good director to talk oh, about. Oh yeah, because I, mean, um, I have seen every single film he's ever made, and I I pretty much love all of them collectively. Yeah, um, Life Aquatic is probably one of my best, bigger favorite ones of, of the group. Though I think it's just a wonderful film. Yeah, like I say, it was oh, a bit yeah. of an oddball one, but I think because of like yeah. its familiness and you know getting back together, I, I liked it. Good message. Yeah. I like that, James. I think we did well. I think, uh, well, we'll see what the reviews are like. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. um, These guys should never do another special again. (laughs) I will not be doing anything for Valentine's Day. Um, So obviously feel free to tweet the podcast and I will reply. (laughs) Um, What about you, James? I I will also be very, very available. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't just mean on Valentine's Day. He means if there's any women out there or want to have a chat... Feel free to just get in touch with them. I can talk about more than films, honest. Yeah. <laughs> I can talk about loads of things. Films, um, DVD cases. DVD cases. <laughs> uh, the, the, USB the... cables, he has them all in order. I do, all of them. Every single one. I can tell you about them. I've named them. <laughs> I'm not James weird, honest. the difference between an AV and a coaxial. <laughs> <laughs> oh, James. It's been nice. I will, uh, yeah, so happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day and happy anniversary. Uh, And happy anniversary, James. Oh, we'll have to hug it out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right, well, that's enough from me. Um, And we'll be back with uh, our next episode will be Superman 3. Yeah. Which is on the cards. We're almost done with that. I've I've watched it, so it's coming up. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) if we got through it, it can't be all that bad, can it? No, and then we'll be continuing our Superman franchise uh, until it's done. Jake. Yeah, I've just had this. a horrible realization. What was that, James? We may have made a bit of a boob. We were doing Why? worst to best of the Superman franchise. Yeah. We missed out Supergirl 1984. Oh, no. But I have a good idea. What? Wonder Woman 1984 is coming out soon. Yeah. So before that's released, I'm making a suggestion on the hoof. Jake doesn't know about this, but I suggest we watch Supergirl 1984 in readiness for Wonder Woman 1984. They're not linked in any way except they have 1984 (laughs) in the title. We could just watch any movie that has a female protagonist superhero in it. A superheroine. That'd be good. Yeah, why not? I mean, Supergirl 1984 (laughs) is terrible and it's got Peter O'Toole in it. (laughs) I like Peter O'Toole. He's Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, this, this will make you hate him. (laughs) Okay. See you later then, James. See you later, Jake. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.